everyone and welcome to the Golden Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Antcliffe, and thank you for tuning in today. I'm so looking forward to introducing you to today's guest, but firstly, can I remind you to follow us on Instagram, which is at goldencollective underscore for all of the chats in between episodes. And I've also got a few projects on the go, hopefully to launch next year. And that's where you'll probably hear those announcements first. Now, introducing Bernadette Black. Bernadette is the CEO and founder of Brave Foundation, a not-for-profit charity supporting teenage mums, as Bernadette herself fell pregnant when she was 16. Now, I don't want to say too much more as Bernadette introduces herself and her story so well. So whether you are listening to this on a walk, in the car or doing the dishes, I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation. Hello, Bernadette. Welcome to the Golden Collective podcast. It is so lovely to have you with us. Would you like to introduce yourself and say hello to our listeners today? Oh, I would love to. I've been so excited since you invited me to come onto the podcast, Emily. Thank you so much. I have uh, cried with you. I have laughed (laughs) with you. I have contemplated and reflected with you. You haven't known that I've been doing this in my in my runs in the morning and you know sometimes I'll go between yours and then to pass the fields and then back again and it's just <laughs> the the golden collective is just uh it speaks to me every time Aww. so um I am one of your biggest fan girls and I send it out wherever I can so I'm thrilled to be here and um and yeah a little bit about my background and and who I am so I am coming to you today from Hobart in Tasmania, which is a place we never thought that we would live. We came <laughs> here 17 years ago on a working holiday around Australia and uh, and all of our families in Victoria. And when I say our, my husband is Steve, uh, Stephen Black, and he is just incredible. He's um, definitely the best guy on the planet, I am sure. And, uh, and he's associate pastor at C3 in Hobart, which mm. is, um, is very, very cool as well. And he's been in that role for nearly five years, I think. Wow. And we have three children. So we have Damien, who is 28, who Steve met when he was three. And then we have uh, Bailey, our daughter, who is 20, and Flynn, our youngest, who is 17, and we have a gorgeous uh, daughter-in-law who's married to Damien, and that is Rebecca, Aww. and our beautiful granddaughter, Juliet, or Effie, and she's six That's months so old. Cute. It is so cute. It is so oh, cute. And wow. they all live not too far, so we, we are um, very blessed, Emily. Oh, that's it's good. Wow, so you're a grandma now. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I am. My my name is Nana BB. Oh, <laughs> so that's so um, cute. <laughs> yeah, it's real it's really gorgeous. She's just so lovely. And I think something that I wasn't prepared for being a young nana, you know, I'm forty five, a young nana BB was actually mm. seeing my son, uh, who, you know, you love your children so much and my daughter in law too, but particularly seeing him having watched him grow up. Uh, and him falling in love with his own daughter and me watching on it was Aww. something it was that moment of oh this is just so precious and perfect wow. and uh, and so it's it's lovely and you know what it's pretty funny because my husband hasn't he loves babies but he's not you know all gooey and gary and, sure. and paternal <laughs> And so, but now that we have a granddaughter, we go out to restaurants and, and, and Steve's distracted. I can't even get his attention because he's looking and, and playing games with the baby across the other side of the restaurant. Oh, <laughs> so it's, um, it's quite lovely, uh, these beautiful babies that are, that are in our lives. And yeah, Juliet is just, just amazing. She's lovely. Oh, so sweet. And what about yourself? What do you do for work? What are your life passions and hobbies? Oh, golly. Uh, so I am the CEO and founder of Brave Foundation. And so we uh, help young parents all over Australia, expecting and parenting teens to be able to figure education, get support wherever they are, uh, and be able to create that village around them if they don't have that. Mm-hmm. And that was actually, as I said, I'm founder. So it's a little bit like the 15-year or 16-year overnight success. Wow. And uh, and I wrote a book about my journey. I was a teenage mum mm. at 16 and that's when I had Damien. And I guess Brave was something that I looked for and couldn't find. Right. And it 
incredible now because we are growing and we have staff all over Australia from the Northern Territory down the Eastern Seaboard, Tasmania, we're expanding into Western Australia. And, uh, and yeah, growing from 21 staff to it will be about 28 very soon. And it's just been and is an incredible privilege to serve uh, mm. these young mums and young dads or expecting mums and dads and building that village around them so they can reach their goals and dreams that yes. they have. So that's my work uh, world. I, um, I am also co-worship pastor with my husband and so that's a part of his role uh, at at church and we have a team of about 80 people in our worship team so it's uh, just beautiful and something that I love uh, serving alongside him in I am purely pastoral so I Mm. uh, even though I have done singing and things in in, in a long long time ago (laughs) I leave that up to the rest of my family uh, Emily, because they're all in the worship team, um, the, the um, oh, Sydney and Bay who live at home with us. So uh, I just threaten to dance, and so <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's really, it's really, really amazing. And uh, you know, it's something that I've certainly seen. I think being co-worship pastor with Steve is something that we're so passionate about. Is how we worship with all of our lives, you know, and mm. uh, and certainly in the marketplace with Brave Foundation, it's not uh, constituted as a Christian organisation, although there are many Christian directors that are on it and there are also Christian staff. Um, it's been founded by a Christian woman and being me. And we it's just incredible to see uh, when you can steward the love of Christ to those that are in front of you yes. uh, and then can see a restorative journey. And so many of them, we do find out that they might, create a relationship uh, within their own church or with Christ uh, mm. or who don't find out about but they've received that love that that we can give them in helping them create you know their own village as I said before so uh, yeah worship is is a pretty central theme for us as well as listening yes. to so many worship songs my goodness I didn't know that there were so many in the world and that's one of the roles (laughs) as the worship pastors is you test all of these songs and they're a heap and they're beautiful because they've all been written with such passion Mm. so it's um it's it's wonderful and and that is something that we both love um I'm a part of our prayer team at church as well Mm. and that's very important to me as well and uh, I love to run, which is which is where I've been running alongside you for yes. quite a while now, <laughs> Emily. So. Look, I'll admit that's the only kind of running I'd be doing is if you're listening to my podcast. So there you go. That can be a tick on my box yeah. as well. You're running at least once a week, Emily. Oh, thank so. you. <laughs> And I love to um I love to write poetry. It's a little small thing that I oh. do when I, when I have the headspace and the time. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. I feel like I'm already getting to know you better just from hearing that. So I'd love to jump more into your story. And why don't you tell me what was your life like growing up? What was your family and home life like? Were you in a Christian household? Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. I grew up in urban Melbourne and I can remember, you know, um, I can, we, I grew up in a Catholic household and so we'd always go to mass every Sunday. Mm. Our family was very, very poor. Like I can remember that we would have buckets all around the house if it was raining and that was to catch the leaks. And something that I remember was we used to go on a holiday to a seaside town called Rye and it was owned by nuns. And we'd go there and it was the most exciting experience for me, Emily, because it was going away on a holiday. But it was freezing cold most of the time and there wasn't a heater. And I can remember once that Dad had fired up the oven and we're all huddled around the oven with with our blankets. And we felt as rich as, you know, the Queen of England. And yes. we, we were none the wiser, actually. Mm. But, you know, it was something for, for me at home. We had a very inclusive home. Our house was like a revolving door. 
there were people that were coming through all the time, uh, you know, if they needed something, if mm. they needed a cup of tea. And so I was very used to having a whole lot of different characters, personalities, it didn't matter their background, uh, in our house. And, and my mum is probably one of the kindest and most compassionate women you can ever meet. Uh, she's just amazing. But the, the truth was that within that, we also, uh, you know, I remember being with my brother and sister. I was the oldest, or am the oldest of, um, of three kids and my little boy Damien and the four of us would be huddled in a room hearing these roaring arguments, which was the reality of our life, you know, very frequently. And, um, and just thinking if we can form a bond, then maybe we can form that with mum and dad again too. And uh, it was something I never understood because, you know, there was one stage when I was already a mum, I think, when having Dame at 16, when mum just stopped cooking. And I remembered thinking, you know, what's, what's wrong with mum? You know, like I, you know, I thought she was sort of, you know, I didn't I just didn't understand and she she just seemed to be such a reserved um reserved shell of herself at that time she you know I can now Mm. see that she didn't have capacity um and so I started cooking meals at at that time for the family too and we ate a lot of tuna casserole we still eat tuna casserole (laughs) every week (laughs) I'm sure Steve's not too thrilled about that to be honest Emily um but uh but he he doesn't doesn't complain too much um and he even knows how to make it himself so it's less an impression (laughs) but yeah so so the the reality of those years of of my early teenage years and and middle teenage years Mm -hmm. was was pretty strange there was the constant theme of love but there was also this uh, emergence of fear and not knowing how to how to how to really manage that and to be responsible for what I thought I could be and there were times when I just pulled up feeling short you know that Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do enough and uh and in reality you know having hindsight and um mum and dad just both such beautiful caring people um and having you know and now myself being a mum can certainly see that for mum it was just such an unhappy time she was at Mm. the end of herself and I was trying to do my best to help her in it and and I think for my dad he just couldn't make ends meet he just he couldn't he worked two sometimes three jobs and and it wouldn't it wouldn't hit hit the surface so it was a um tumultuous time often but I can remember always thinking if we can just show love the the Mm. four of us that eventually we'd find it again with mum and dad too and 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 we certainly did it was um you know my dad's been home in heaven now for you know a long time and he he went home to heaven in 1999 and and I remember when I had Dame, so it wasn't long after that, that, that he radically changed his life. And, you know, here we were in this Catholic family, Emily, and, and, or, and if he had have passed away then, he would have probably had about 20 people at his funeral. Wow. And, uh, and, but what happened was that he, he became this man that none of us, like it was the best version of dad. Like mm-hmm. I actually had the greatest father in those five years, uh, mm-hmm. earthly father, than I could have had if I had dad for 150 years before mm-hmm. that. And, and so that was such a, a gift for us. But why he changed his life was he went to this um, Catholic charismatic Pentecostal prayer group and, um, and he went there because my brother was struggling who was 14 or 15 yeah. at the time. And he thought he better do something about it. And then he'd take me as a young mum along, uh, you know, with this little baby Damien. I'm 16 and, a, you know, and, um, and I'd go into this um, prayer meeting and I'd think these guys are just off their rockers. They're, you know, they're yeah. like, <laughs> I don't even understand what they're talking about, you know. Um, little did I know that then, you know, one day in the future, um, we'd be we'd be you know leading in uh, C3 Church in Hobart, and uh, my husband you know uh, uh, on staff as as, yes. as a pastor. <laughs> 
so it's just beautiful but you know in those times even though it was fractured and and it was difficult the uh mum and dad did have a faith dad then had a radical faith when he passed away which was when i was 24 and had met steve at the time uh there was uh, there was i think like it was about 1200 people at his funeral mm. and uh literally Emily there was like people standing outside this very big church and six priests and a bishop uh celebrated dad and we we didn't know most of the people and they would talk to us and say oh, I met your dad on the bus I met him at the train station he'd, he'd get me a loaf of bread and, and he'd, wow. he he would share his faith and we, we saw this man that yeah, we had the privilege of getting to know this greatest version of dad in the last five years. And then he actually died uh, training for what was his fifth Melbourne marathon, I think it was. And, um, and so he, he started being healthy as well. Mm. And, uh, and he had a massive heart attack, but in, in actual reflection, he was at the best part of his life and for my mum and him, they had totally reconciled and were falling in love again. Wow. And we hadn't seen that as children, uh, mm -hmm. even a first time. And so to be able to see that and uh, for dad to, you know, to, to, to go to heaven with such a strong faith and a personal relationship with Jesus, which he, he said to Steve when Steve asked dad when we were about 22 or something if he could marry 23 it would have been if he could marry me uh, and he asked dad's permission dad took him out to a christian coffee shop bookshop and told my husband just to train and play a bit with afl and so he was telling him all about these afl football family <laughs> and you know that a christian and that you know maybe you know you might be interested and so steve would come back and he'd be like your dad just tells me all about these christian afl footballers you know oh, too funny and um <laughs> and and he said to me though he said look then even though i know uh that that you're you know you had Damien when you were 16 mm. that Damien's dad he he was still involved um and but he said you I, I, you need to know that the you deserve the best possible God that is out there not second best you, mm. you deserve what God is who God has created for you and I remember just being so grateful for that because that spoke so much to my value and my value as me as a, as a woman in God, but my identity in, yes. in him as well. And so it was beautiful because then, uh, even though dad would have these conversations with Steve and, and, and then he said yes to Steve, even though mm. Steve was, um, didn't believe in anything. Mm. Uh, and he said, yeah, I, you know, I'd love you to marry my daughter. And he just said to me, I know he's going to love Jesus soon. I know he's going to love Jesus. And wow. then, you know, he, he died and we were married six months after he passed away. And then all of these years later, which we will probably, we might talk about later on, we, um, you know, come to Hobart and my husband becomes a Christian and here yes. we are now where in full-time ministry. Um, so he, he really prophesied that over our lives and, mm. and, and, and prayed for it. Uh, and so when I say that Steve is the best man, I, I, I genuinely mean it. They're not just mm. light words that he's the best man that God created. Um, for me and and me for him and and that was paved in prayer so yes. uh, even though it was fragmented and difficult um, it, it's a beautiful restoration journey in mm. there and, and that's not even you know I didn't even really talk about the teenage pregnancy bit but that's to give a bit of background a bit of, yes. bit of background <laughs> of the what it looks like Emily no, that's great. I think the background is good because I'm sure people would love to hear a little bit more about your pregnancy journey and how you found out with Damien and what that season of life looked like for you. But it's great to know what was happening in your world a little bit at that time and mm. what your family life was like. So so tell us, what is Damien's story? Yeah, and, uh, and, and I love that you've just posed it like that. What is Damien's story? Because he's, he's just you know, he's, he's just the best. I sound like such a mum, don't I? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but he's, 
you know, I can remember him when we were asked to do a video years ago and, and they and someone asked him the question of, so what is it like for you having a teenage? And his answer was, well, I have friends that are twins and I don't know if they know what it's like to be a twin. Yes. I, it's the same. <laughs> like I, they look after me well. <laughs> you know, I don't know any different. Yeah. And, um, and so for Damien, you know, I was in year 10 at a Catholic uh, secondary college and I met a boy from the local state school and this was when things were pretty tough at home. Mm. And I was probably looking for love in in places where ultimately I wasn't going to find it. And I met Damien's dad and, you know, we'd been going out for about six months and then things began to get serious and they be, they became so serious that we, we had sex. And mm. um, I, I couldn't believe that I had even done that, to be honest, um, first of all, because... I'd always promised, I'd made this promise to myself that I'd always be the good girl. Mm. Uh, this isn't what happened. Uh, even though, you know, my faith um, and my relationship with Jesus um, grew closer over time, I always had such a sense of him in my life, uh, even in, in, in my Catholic journey. And so it was something just to realise that that had actually happened. But then actually when I didn't get my period, uh, we were we were so scared and mm. knowing things weren't good at home, you know, thinking how on earth are they going, how is everyone going to respond to this? And I'd only seen girls um, like that, Emily. Like I, mm. I hadn't, you know, and, and I'd made assumptions about them and that, you know, that I, I wasn't very proud of in that moment and then realising that that was going to be me you know and I'm going to to work at my Wendy shift and making oh. ice creams and then thinking oh my goodness I'm going to be a mother I've hardly held a baby I, I mm. wasn't a maternal girl but I just absolutely knew that that I'd be having this baby and somehow that we would we would work it out uh, but it was it was was really difficult and I made myself some promises during that time and they were to be a good mum, finish my education, I think, and one day write a pamphlet to help other young parents. Aww. And I, um, yeah, and, and I, you know, it's beautiful looking back now, like I said, you know, the 15-year overnight success, but it's something I don't share my story as much as I used to and, and, I, and I love reflecting and sharing about it because it's, it's so precious, you know, mm. like I, I just look at the gift that Damien was and is and the life that, that, um, that the generous gift that he is, what that yes. has created actually for our nation, mm. for our most at-risk young people, that mm. I've been able to be a part of that. I just, Emily, I, you know, I don't even know where to begin. So wow. it's, it's, really beautiful looking back but it was there were some real difficulties and and I can remember my year 10 year level teacher saying to me the journey might be different now but the destination can stay the same and you know mm. mum and dad they'd finished year 10 themselves but no one had done year 12 and there wasn't we weren't in a family where anyone had and mm. and no one had been to university and so I you know just but he, hearing him say that never left me. Yes. And so I, you know, had Damien and I, um, and becoming a mum, I think at any age is never something that you can fully be prepared for. I certainly wasn't, um, even when I had Flynn at 27. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I, I'm still learning how to be a mum and a grandmother. Mm. But it, it was something that, I, I, you know, all of a sudden I had more in common with my mum's friends than my friends and, right. and, uh, and this deep sense of my baby having the gift of a teenage life with the life, the teenage life that, that I actually was not going to be able to have. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to be able to, to look back and, and to think about what has grown from that time and um yeah I, I'm 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 grateful that I shared my story 
yes. all of the years ago because I didn't know what was what was around the corner from it. Even though mm-hmm. you know, I, and and what I'm most grateful for, it was um you know the the Lord showed me the vision for Brave Foundation mm-hmm. uh, in prayer, and and I it, it's just amazing. It's just like just make the light brighter, just make it brighter, just make the pathways brighter. Just wow. don't get distracted in any debates. Make the light brighter yeah and you know it will work for governments it will work for you know uh, private it will work for other other um, charities to partner with you and that's exactly what's happened but the truth is in pioneering something like brave and especially sharing a story that is so personal and so precious Mm. and so meaningful is that you know for my beautiful family it's not been a job that I've had it's been a way of life like yes their sacrifice that they have said yes to and that we have said yes to knowing that actually for me this is you know ministry in the marketplace and for mm. our family this is a part of that um I, I am just amazed at, at how incredible they all continue to be and and have been in being able to see um what God's you know been able to plant in yeah. In me and, and in Steve to see to see this come to fruition for mm. people's lives. Amazing. And tell me, what did your faith look particularly at that time? Did you have a personal relationship with God? Was that tested? Did you have to wrestle with any feelings of shame or guilt or your identity? Walk us through that journey. Mm. Yeah, um, totally. Like I, as a girl... You know, I was fascinated with the story of Jesus and I loved it. Like it was when I was at, you know, at Catholic school, I, it was my favourite subject was religion. And um, and then like I actually, we used to pick up an old priest and he was a, uh, he was an old reformed alcoholic, I think, but he was, <laughs> he had an early onset of dementia and my mum would pick him up and we'd take him out for lunch and we'd do that every month or so. Um, Father John, I think, or something, because his name. Oh. Anyway, it was when I was quite young, and every time I'd be in the car, I'd say, "Can you tell me the Jesus story? Can you tell me the Jesus Aww. story?" And he'd be like, "Do you want to hear it again?" And but I think I asked him like it would have been so many times, Emily. Wow. Um, but and then you know, I I remember actually saying to my mum, you know, and dad. This was before dad had his you know radical um sort of conversion. But I said to um, mum and dad, oh, at Christmas time, can I please tell everyone the story of Jesus and how amazing <laughs> he is? And mum was like, oh, no, I don't think you should. Like, that's not something we do. And, but I was just like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird thing to ask because it wasn't. It was not the context or um, we didn't talk about that type of thing. But I did go, uh, my cousin invited me to a um it was a Youth Alive conference in Melbourne and I was 16. It was just before, um, not long before I'd fallen pregnant with Mm. Damien. And I can remember that night, that was when I actually accepted Jesus into my heart and I never experienced anything like that. It It was like the answer to this knock of you know the Jesus that I wanted to tell stories about know about that I actually got to know who he was and met him like meeting a person but it was like you know you 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 can't imagine really can you the only thing we can sort of relate it to is if you meet your children or if you meet your husband the people you love most your perspective changes but it, it was so much bigger than that and I can remember coming out of that conference and actually people looked different to me like it was like that people that if they didn't know Jesus, they actually looked different and the world looked different. And I can remember saying to my cousin, does it look different to you? And it was, it was my heart. It was what wow. my heart was responding to. Um, and so that was quite, quite powerful in the timing because I actually had accepted Jesus in my heart I understood what the Bible was, but I didn't know that it was a book that was going to be helpful for me, Mm. Um, made that connection. And then my next thought was, well, I need to get on the prayer roster at Mass and I need to ask whether I can do the readings. And so then I went to the the priest 
at, at our local parish and whether I could do the readings. And he's like, yeah, you can do that. You're one of the youngest people. We've never had anyone this yeah. year doing the readings. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'd love to do it. And, um, and, and then I fell pregnant and, and, and I can remember it, it's pretty painful actually, but, you know, I remember being, you know, asked because my tummy grew, you know, it's mm. probably best that you don't do the readings. And I can remember even another time when things were so hard at home and Damien would have been about two and it was just so difficult and difficult for my little sister and my little brother and and me and Dame and I stay I was living at home and, and we actually I moved out with Damien's dad for six months and it was just an awful period and um and something that, you know, we quickly discovered was not going to be a relationship that would continue. Uh, and I knew that in, in myself and my, and my spirit. And it was just so, again, trying to find that comfort and that love. And even though we tried, it just was not going to work. We were mm. two young kids that had totally different values. Um, and so it was at one of those times not long after I lived with Damien's dad that I was back at home and I thought I don't know where to go or what to do and and I actually went it wasn't the, the the local parish priest I don't know who it was at the time and 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 knocked on on their door and um and they didn't know what to do with me and I remember wow. thinking like they didn't know how I could have help or how I could and I just didn't know where to go like I, I just actually didn't know where to go and but then after that they were still kind but they there was no um, pathway and I went to a friend's and and that incredible couple um, is, is where I lived then for six months and and met Steve during that time mm, and then okay. um yeah and and they had Damien and I there and it wasn't too far from from you know my mum and dad's house so it was um mm. it was pretty pretty special and they're yeah just an amazing couple yeah so tell me a little bit more of the story of how you met Steve and what was his journey like in mm. meeting Damien and how did that all oh. happen <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I tell you what, the um, journey of meeting Steve, it's not a very glamorous story, <laughs> which, which makes me love it even more, Emily. Oh, <laughs> it was, and so this was before, you know, I really had, um, where we came, you know, to, to Christ together, really. Mm. Um, so we weren't, I wasn't in church at this time and, and had broken up with Damien's dad and was back at home and, you know, back at, and at this friend's place. And, um, and I was in second year of nursing. So I actually continued my study and that was really difficult with a baby wow. and was in my second year. And one of my girlfriends knew that I'd, um, broken up with Damien's dad and she's like, oh, well, I set you up with this, this boy, Stephen. And I was so upset with her because I was like, <laughs> I, I've, I've, you know, I've, been, I've only, it's been six months and I, I'm going to be fine with Damien on my own and I'm not in a position where I want to meet someone mm. and I was really and, and I really didn't want to anyway it was one dollar pots night at a uni pub and <laughs> so on a Wednesday night and there was a cover band playing Smashing Pumpkins I think and uh, this guy walked in the room and um, and it was her friend that she said that that she'd you know she'd tried to for us to have a date and um and I met this guy and his name was Stephen and um and I, and I said to him look I'm really sorry but that's just not you know it's not I'm, I'm not up for anything at all but it's lovely to meet you mm. then Emily this <laughs> other guy walks in he had this shaved head which I still look back and can't believe a flannelette shirt on and um and I looked at my friend and I said but who is that guy over there and he said oh my goodness Bernie that is Stephen's best friend Stephen Black and so that was my husband. <laughs> so I met, met uh, Stephen Black, the other Steve, and That's uh, too and funny. so so funny. And um, and I and I actually I was so 
surprised that I had, it was honestly one of those moments where it was like love at first sight and we both say the same thing. It, it really was. And unless you've experienced it, it's hard to imagine, I guess, but we just knew that there was a future and, and it was mm -hmm. instantaneous. And I asked him, you know, um, I, I said to him, because uh, we had this mutual friend that, you know, I was a mum and that this would be something that would, you know, uh, would be a very slow friendship to begin with and I mm. uh, wondered you know whether he would want to see a photo of Dame and 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 Steve didn't have any babies or kids in his family at that point and he just said oh you know may, maybe not and I remember thinking oh how did I get that so wrong you know how did yeah. we get that and, but he was still so lovely um, and then he actually shared with me later on that he he asked and he said to me I was probably the single third date you know, actually, I don't want to see a photo of Damien. I'd love to meet him. And he'd, he'd gone to his brother and a couple of friends and said, you know, what, how do you think? I don't want to meet Damien and, and fall in love with him and then have these expectations, you know. So he was, he was trying to look after everyone uh, in the picture, which was just so um, kind and thoughtful. Uh, Emily and so yeah I, I will never forget the time when uh, when Damien did meet Steve because and my mum like Steve's from a sheep farm in the middle of Victoria and on a couple of thousand acres and my mum like she invited literally the whole of the community you know how I was saying you know how <laughs> yeah. you know like you know a rolling door but it was like you know poor Steve all of these people were there for Steve arriving for his Aww. first dinner to come and meet with Damien and um and Damien runs up to him as soon as he opens the door, just like latches around his legs Aww. and gives him this huge hug. And Steve's like looking around with all of these strangers, this, you know, and, and mum's cooking roast lamb because of course <laughs> you cook roast lamb to someone from a sheep farm. And yeah. you know, <laughs> It was hilarious, and um, but anyway, Steve's never forgotten it. <laughs> and but Damien just loved Steve straight away, and you know he's one of Steve's greatest attributes is his um patience and wisdom. Mm. And I remember the first time I took Damien over there, and he had what Damien used to call a sports guitar, which was an electric guitar. He's always been uh -huh. a musician, and um and he wanted to touch it, and and. Steve was like you can have a little play on it mate and then he was like banging it and he was you know Damien was three at the time and I was like oh, this is so embarrassing I really love this boy and Aww. and he's going to be so he's not going to want to be with me you know because any moment now Damien's going to have a huge tantrum mm. and and I said to Steve you know if I take Damien away he's actually going to lose it like he's he's not he wants to play with sports guitar mm. he's like it's okay it's just you can take him away it's okay mm. um and I and so I took Dame away and he had the biggest tantrum and but I'd not seen the patience or the kindness yeah. in a, a person but um that there was no reaction it was just a loving response of that's all right mate you can go you, you, you can continue to have a tantrum you know and yeah. he was not worried Emily yeah. I hadn't seen that in my life before um and so that was new for me and and it did not threaten him it didn't make him run away he was absolutely fine and calm mm -hmm. and patient in it and that's still you know who he is today um, and then we got married when Damien was five and Dame was like, he was at that point, he was saying, mummy, when are we going to marry dad? Aww. And so he's, he's always called Steve dad and his yes. biological dad, dad as well. So um, it's, it's just been beautiful. And, you know, we, we actually only had his biological dad came to visit when we could travel or when he could travel. Um, to see Juliet and so oh. being able to you know the three of us sharing being grandparents is, mm. is a very very special thing and um, yeah but yeah so Steve was just um, very quickly loved by Dame and the yes. whole of the community in our suburb wow. <laughs> was invited to our house the poor guy yeah. <laughs> oh no better way to do it <laughs> 
so tell me, I always like to ask people what is the gold out of their trial in the hardships of life? What can they say was the gold produced in their life and their faith as a result of Mm. walking through that? And I know you've obviously established Brave Foundations, so I'd love for you to share a little bit about that journey, what God developed in you to then go ahead and develop what is now Brave Foundation today. Yeah, yeah. So really, I, you know, in prayer, I saw this, you know, we just need to make the pathways brighter so that Mm. young mums and young dads can know how they're going to get support in Australia. And and is that, I remember sitting with the book, How to Start a Not-for-Profit for for Dummies with (laughs) uh, Steve and a great mate. And uh, we signed the constitution and that was like, you know, uh, like I said, like 16 years ago or something like that. And my goodness, we did not know what would be coming up after that. I, and, and I really think a part of the gold in my journey is never underestimating um, the smallness of a situation and not despising small beginnings mm. because they are so precious. Yes. And, uh, and actually what God can do with those small beginnings is just magnificent. Sometimes we get to see what he does. Sometimes mm. we don't get to see what he does. And in this case, what an amazing journey to be able to be a part of that. The other um, part, I think, through with Brave, because now we would assist, it would be, you know, we've assisted thousands of young parents, but it would be about 300 to 400 a year. Um, is really being able to, I think, that being, a again, it comes down to the small things. One of my favourite scriptures is, you know, to be a good steward of a little, then you can, you know, be trusted with much. Mm. And for me, it really matters. You know, relationship matter, saying thank you matters. And so any person if I have the opportunity to meet with them and they've given me their time I can't wait to write them a thank you letter Um, because they've actually spent their time and invested into something which is actually investing into something I deeply care about being Mm. being teen parents Um, and the other part that I've really learned is again it's taking notice probably you know you've got to count the grief the cost and the celebration of of some of our chapters in life and uh, and for the foundation, it has mm. been the expanse of those three things. There's been mm. a lot of sacrifice, uh, so much sacrifice. And we bought, we had, um, was actually why Steve came to church. We um, ended up, we had a really difficult financial situation and we ended up living in a hostel not long mm. um before I had my third baby, Flynn, who's now 17. And we really got to know what poverty was like as middle-aged, you know, well, we were still, you know, late 20s, so not quite middle-aged, but we were still pretty young. But, um, and we actually, it was four amounts coming out bank account, one amount coming in. And from what should have been a fantastic investment which we had accountants saying you smart kids went horribly wrong and we could not have seen it coming and we hadn't we didn't have anyone in our family that we could look to to advise us on that Mm. um what was incredible throughout that journey god doesn't waste a thing and that's the other encouragement i would have for anyone listening sometimes we can't understand it that's part of the mystery of christ isn't it but he will never waste and when I look back I can remember when we we eventually lost our home ended up long story short and $150,000 in debt I knew that my and and we without an asset and we we eventually recovered all of that bit by bit by bit and then we saved for a deposit for a house and oh we have the most incredible house and that's another journey like the couple that sold us our house which we prayed together and signed the contract in our lounge room we didn't know them like they had prayed for a family that was going to buy the house off them and so it it is just incredible but I can remember you know the the time I wrote Brave Little Bear when I wrote my book um, which was the precursor to Brave Foundation that was when I was in that hostel 
And so, you know, for me, the gold is still in the depths of despair and we had nothing. You know, God, what have I got and how can I help? And I didn't know that during that time, writing a little book, which he'd put on my heart many years before, would actually then grow into these, you know, 16 years in Tasmania um, to see Brave grow. But not only that, you know, my husband turns around and says, what's the name of that church you're going to this, that week, you know, next weekend? And I think it's called CCC. It sounds like chips. It's, um, you know, <laughs> and it was, you know, that was the old name of our church. And uh, it, it's C3, was C3 um, in, in the city in Hobart. And he's mm. like, you know, I, I'm coming too. He was working double, triple shifts as a registered nurse. We were both registered nurses then. Wow. And, um. And but I can remember being um, you know, at the end of my pregnancy, and I, I couldn't work, uh, which which was which complicated things mm. more for us because I had so many complications with the pregnant with Flynn. And I remember just going at the end of one day being heavily pregnant, and just the the sheer expanse of what we were facing, and just screaming out to God, and just you know that He would help and. And I knew he would. I knew he would, and um, and he has. And mm. he, those moments, and even the parts that we don't share, and I haven't shared, but the parts that we do know about, he knows each part of them, and then he somehow brings them together. And if you partner with him, he will restore you. And if you partner with him, he will create something beautiful and if you partner with him you have an understanding of meaning or peace if you can't mm. understand it and that part just blows me away that he doesn't leave anything out when we continue to build our relationship with him yes. and for Steve you know him going to church that day and I can remember being there thinking like he'd only been to Catholic Mass at Christmas and New Year's uh, Christmas and Easter and it was a really full-on message and I was like <laughs> he's gonna run out and he's like you know all of a sudden he's just like you know was wanting prayer down at the front and wow. um and you know and, and I'm thinking about all these words that dad had shared and prophesied and you mm. know it's it's interesting because he actually dad had um had prophesied you know he didn't say it was a prophecy but at my 21st saying you know you were going to meet the prime minister you were going to meet you know and I remember just thinking this is embarrassing dad you know like <laughs> what are you talking about but actually the words that he said have all come to pass through mm. um and and his his journey with Christ so Steve you know that word actually being fulfilled all those years later and him serving in ministry just so so rich it's just mm. it's just so beautiful and yeah uh gosh I you know I'm I'm just so grateful to him and so grateful that we've you know kept kept the faith together yes absolutely I'd love to ask you one final question which is tell us what Brave is doing at the moment and where you're heading in the mm. future I'd love to celebrate with you boast away tell us all that you've accomplished and what we can be believing for alongside you as well oh, thank you so much oh gosh Brave it's so exciting so we're expanding at the moment so I'm currently CEO uh, and founder and what I've been looking at for the last three years so it's actually quite beautiful. Teen parents and our nation's most at-risk young people mm. um, have actually provided quite a gift for us because what we have found at Brave Foundation and me advocating to governments and so many have had met with met so many government departments um, is that there are that the structures of government aren't actually set up to create funding structures and policies that are going to um, that are actually going to ignite purpose in our most at-risk people mm. and so helping them before they are in entrenched disadvantage which is what brave has has done so we actually look for that window of opportunity create that village around them help them to be able to design their goal or three 
and then we walk alongside them, which is discipleship, right? And we yes. connect all the dots. So if they need a Medicare card and they don't know what a Medicare card is, because of course they might not, then we can help them to get that and, and we right. can help them to get everything that they can so that they can, can fulfill their, their dreams and goals. But it's really about being able to seed purpose through mm-hmm. policy. And so I, that's something I'm so passionate about and passionate about helping our governments to do that. And most people that work in government totally want to do that too. It's the structures that have been built. And so because of the structures that have been built and we haven't ch- changed our way of how we, um, how we work in government since I think it's post-war. So it's a long time that poverty has changed so much mm. and helping those that most risk has. So, you know, there are some great examples across the world where government departments work together to create a holistic policy and holistic funding structures to then fund organisations like Brave. So Brave would be Mm. one of them where you're working with really complex individuals that might sort of cut across many government departments. Um, And so that's the study I've been doing. I've just finished, it's taken me three years to finish an executive certificate in public leadership through Harvard Kennedy. And I've been exploring the concept of social economic empowerment for our nation's most at risk Mm. um, through primary prevention and and leveraging our learnings with young parents as a part of that to how we can create policies that's actually gonna seed purpose and and their goals and their dreams so that, you know, for all of us, our greatest days are ahead. So it's a, an area of passion and I'm just so excited about it, uh, Emily, and it feels like pioneering all over again. And it's um, certainly within the realms of brave, but it's, it's, it's branching into another area. Yes. So to be continued, I'll be able to share more soon. <laughs> oh, we'd love to hear more and I'll put links in our show notes to your website and more about you for people oh. who would like to follow along a bit more on your journey and celebrate with you along the way. Oh, but thank Bernadette, you so thank much. you so much for coming on the Golden Collective podcast. It's been an honour to chat with you and I love getting to know you more and I really look up to you and, and want to honour you mm. for the incredible work that you've done. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, Emily and you too. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute privilege to have the chat and conversation. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Bernadette. I really mean it when I say that I look up to Bernadette. You'll have to check out her Instagram and also Brave Foundation's website, which are all linked in the show notes below. I also noticed they have a lot of wonderful ways to get involved if you would like to, such as volunteering, purchasing their merchandise, or even donating food vouchers for expecting mums. Now, let's pray together as we wrap up. God, I thank you for Bernadette and the incredible story that she shared with us today. And we just pray for your blessing and your favour to pour out upon Brave Foundation and that you would multiply their impact and see more young lives transformed and given the hope and light that they need. I also just pray for anyone listening who might have been in a similar situation or faced their own battle with needing to trust you in difficult circumstances. Lord, we know that you are in control, that you have an amazing plan for each and every life, and that no matter what trial we face, you will work all things together for your good and for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. And don't forget to leave a golden review and five-star rating if you can. And until next time, stay golden. Mm